We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we have Chicago Bulls basketball right around the corner. This week, the Bulls play three games. They open the season at Detroit on Wednesday. They're home against the Zion Williamson-list New Orleans Pelicans on Friday. They play the Pistons again on Saturday. So three Bulls games this week. Uh, quite frankly, they should be 3-0. and The Pistons yep. are one of the worst teams in the league, obviously, adding Cade Cunningham. Except, uh, apparently, is Cade not going to play? I saw some quotes today that seems like he's hurting, and either sounds like they're bringing him back really slow. I, I had no idea until I saw these quotes from Dwayne Casey today. I was like, I don't know if we're going to see Cade this week in either game. <laughs> Right. His status is still definitely up in the air. So uh, he has been limited by injuries throughout the preseason. We'll see if he's in the lineup. I sort of expect him to be out uh, just given the fact that they have held him out up to this point, but we'll see. Cade Cunningham might not be there. Uh, That's only adds to, uh, you know, the immediacy of the win in these games. Like, and after what we saw in the preseason, Jason, I'm feeling pretty good. A 4-0 preseason. I think since the last time we talked, they beat the Cavs. They beat the Grizzlies. Patrick Williams made his return. We'll talk about all this in a little bit. But first, we got to talk about the Chicago Sky. I was in the building, Jason. I've been covering the team for the last couple of weeks. I've written three big stories on them. I was actually at every playoff game. I went to the first three playoff games, the single elimination victory against the Dallas Wings, And then the two home games against the Connecticut Sun in the semifinals. I went to those games as fans, as a fan. And then I went to the finals as a media member. Finals game three and game four. Uh, Just such a fun atmosphere in the Winchester Arena. If you guys uh, didn't like fully get on the bandwagon this year, catch up on the team, get on the bandwagon next year. They're going to be really good again. But uh, Jace, you were following the team from your TV. Uh, Pretty wild game in game four. Yeah, game four was nuts. I, so I was, I will uh, admit that I was watching Bears Packers over it at first in the first half, and Bears Packers was miserable. Uh, as every Bears Packers game goes, uh, Aaron Rodgers owns Bears, Soldier Field, and their fans. That all sucked. So I, fl- I flipped over, I think, for the, I saw the whole second half, uh, and it looked like the sky were dead in the water. I tweeted it. The sky looked utterly cooked when they went down 14 points in the third quarter. I mean, Brittany Griner was absolutely just demolishing them. Tarazi, who I believe struggled over. I can't remember what her actual shooting line was, but she had a couple threes uh, and it looked like the sky were just like, didn't have it. They were missing layups and they were going to get run out of the building. Uh, and then they started to make a comeback. And then at the end of the third quarter, there was a brutal sequence where they had a bad turnover at the end, leading to another bucket. I think they were down nine going to the fourth and then they just dominated, or I guess they didn't, they didn't really dominate the fourth quarter. The fourth, like the first half of the fourth quarter was just like them not able to like get quite there. Like they'd get to within like five or six and they just like couldn't get it to one possession. Uh, I know it was an Allie Quigley hit a bunch of threes kind of keeping him in striking distance. And then they finally made 
their big push down the stretch. I don't have the exact run in front of me, but they end up winning 80 to 74 to win it all. Candace hit a big three. Courtney Vandersloot had a ridiculous, uh, that little, that was almost like a Rondo move, whatever, like the little spin she had in the floater in the lane uh, floated. I think that put them up four. Who was it? Is it, is it Stephanie Dolson had, I think two big baskets, right? Yeah, uh, and she then had uh, she finished two feeds from Vandersloot in crunch time. Yeah, and Vandersloot had I think four late, like fifteen assists. I think fifteen or sixteen assists for Vandersloot. Put the finishing touches on with a couple free throws, uh, and then obviously a very fitting ending. Candace Parker with the ball in her hands, uh, running out the clock. Obviously, you could see how emotional she was. First year coming back to her hometown team, pride of Naperville Central High School, uh, winning the WNBA championship. First, first championship in uh, Sky history, uh, and the place was wild. Like I said, you were there. Obviously, I, I was, I was, I wanted to be able to come to one of these finals games. I had plans with my dad on Friday night, and then Sunday I was working yesterday, uh, so I wasn't able, to, wasn't able to make it. Unfortunately, because it looked like it was an, an awesome atmosphere. Uh, just happy for all the fans. Happy, happy for the players that that they had the crowd, the crowd support. I know there's, a, I think there's a. A rally going on, I think tomorrow at Millennium Park. I think I saw. So hopefully, uh, there'll be a good attendance for that. It was just, it was just really cool to see uh, the 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 fans show up for them. They they obviously really appreciate it. Candice, like I said, it's super emotional. Loved uh, Kalia Copper dropping f bombs on live TV was awesome. Uh, and that and that's WNBA Finals MVP. Uh, it was just really cool to see. Uh, them bring a title back to Chicago. And I'm sure that made you happy. I don't want, I don't want to get after the bears sucking in there. Obviously the white Sox losing was really disappointing. Nice to see a winner step up to the plate and just an incredible run throughout these playoffs. Man, I went to that white Sox uh, closeout game as, brutal. A as well. 10 to one. That was absolutely Whoa. brutal. Uh, but the sky was just such a likable team, man. Like the only thing I can compare it to is like the Thibodeau era bolts of just a team that, really felt like they uh, like just made you proud to be a fan. And while Candace Parker got all the attention, obviously her signing with the sky as a free agent sort of like opened up the sky's championship window, right? They were seen as a team on the rise. They were seen as a team that just didn't really have a superstar. They had Candace 35 years old. Uh, one of the great athletes to ever come out of the Chicagoland area. Of course, I remember, you know, growing up, I think she's a year older than me, her and Ellie Quigley, both, her playing at Naperville Central High School, Ellie Quigley, Julia Catholic. Uh, and Candace has just been a sensation basically since she sort of entered the basketball consciousness. She, yep. I wrote today in my story that at the time she was hyped as sort of like the women's version of LeBron James. Her high school actually played a prank. I didn't put this in my story, but her high school played a prank that said she was uh, turning pro out of high school. The principal like said it over the loudspeaker and everyone believed it because like she was that caliber yeah. player. Obviously, she's had an awesome career. Her uh, time with the Los Angeles Sparks ended because of like a conflict with Derek Fisher. And after that, Candace was a free agent. She had the choice to like decide where she wanted to play. She came to the sky and Candace got all the attention. But every piece of this team was so awesome and represented the city so well. Courtney Vandersloot, man, just a genius level point guard, one of the best passers in the world, men or women. And after watching so much bad point guard play from the Bulls, uh, you know, in the post D Rose era, and even Rose himself was much more of like a scorer than a natural facilitator. It was incredible to see uh, what Vandersloot could do as a playmaker. Now, she didn't win finals MVP. That went to Kalia Copper, who had the huge game three, when the Sky won in an absolute route, 36 points, uh, you know, to take control of the series. I was sitting next to the guy uh, in press row who was, like, putting together the graphic for Copper's MVP throughout the entire game. So they, like, basically pre-decided that Copper was going to be the MVP, regardless of what happened. Well, Copper had a relatively quiet game four. She did have a key bucket late, uh, a transition score off a feed from Vandersloot. But really, Vandersloot and Candice were, like, the heart and soul of this team. Now, everyone contributed, but just to have a playmaker who could get you an easy bucket offensively, like Vandersloot, was so beneficial for the Sky. Got to give a shout out to James Wade, the Sky's head coach. He's one of the best like offensive tacticians I think I've ever seen. If you follow some people on Twitter, they were sort of highlighting some of the plays he was doing. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff floating around out there, but the Sky's offense was awesome. It all made sense. Uh, they were using stuff like 
empty corner pick and rolls and a lot of tactics you see in the NBA uh, throughout their postseason run. So the sky was just so much fun to watch, man. I thought uh, they represented the city so well. I loved Kalia Copper, that image of her standing over uh, Sophie Cunningham in game two, which was the only game the the sky lost. Uh, So Copper was so awesome. Uh, Stephanie Dolson, that was someone who she was sort of like the backup big on the team. You might remember her from winning a gold medal this summer on the three on three Olympic team for women's basketball team USA. She is not super mobile as a center. So the entire year, like my texts were being filled with like Dolson is our boozer. But in reality, she was our Taj. She made two key finishes late in the uh, in game four. And she really played incredible throughout the entire playoff run. She was hitting threes. She was making good passes. Uh, she could execute a lot of the passing reads that James Wade asked his bigs to make. So what an awesome run by the sky. They were such a likable team. Next year is going to be strange because Vandersloot, Quigley, Copper, Dolson, DeShields are all free agents. I don't think it's possible for the sky to keep all of them. From what I've been reading, they can basically keep like three of them. So you would think Vandersloot and Quigley, they're married. They got a house in Deerfield. <laughs> Uh, I don't think they're going anywhere. There has been some buzz that like maybe uh, Seattle would try to steal Vandersloot away because Sue Bird is retiring. Oh, yeah. But it seems like Vandersloot and Quigley run it back. Got to run this back. Turn. I think yeah. that they're going to be back. Now you got to resign Copper, and yeah. Copper previously had a pretty decent contract, uh, so she's probably going to be in line for another raise. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep Diamond to Shields, who I really thought was going to be a star when they drafted her number three overall in 2018. Dolson, also a key piece. So it'll be interesting to see what next year looks like. Candace did sign a two-year deal, so we know Candace is coming back. Uh, but what a sick team, dude. If, if you didn't get in on the sky, I can't recommend going to a game enough. For the semifinals, I brought like six people, I think, to game four, the clincher. Uh, and they all loved it. They'd never been to a WNBA game before. They weren't really too familiar with the team, but the atmosphere at the game and just the team itself and the product itself sold them immediately. So uh, it was really fun to see the sky convert a lot of new fans. I definitely got on the bandwagon. Uh, I'd been a fan of the team for a while. I went to their playoff game in 2019. uh, And after that, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go to every sky playoff game (laughs) ever. 15 bucks tickets. You could basically sit wherever you want. Uh, now that wasn't the case in the finals because yeah. the tickets were Full all house. Like 100 bucks at yeah. some point. Yeah. So really awesome to see Chicago rally around the team. And if you love basketball, it's impossible not to love this guy squad. Go back, watch the games. You're still on watch ESPN. I rewatched the fourth quarter yesterday. Uh, such a great run from the sky. I wrote three big stories on him. I did an introduction to the team. I wrote an ode to Kalia Copper, and then I did a championship post-mortem this morning. Those are all up on SBNation.com. If you click my profile, you'll see those links. So it's really fun to cover the team, to, you know, to interact with them in the post-game press conference. There there was one moment in the post-game press conference where I asked Ellie Quigley what it was like as someone who was on five teams in her first four years in the WNBA. Like she was very much bouncing around the league. I'm like, you know what? Reflecting back on that, what was that like? And Candace is like, what? That's stupid. She's like, <laughs> interrupted my question and started yelling. And uh, quickly has since, you know, become a three-time All-Star, won the three-point contest three times, probably the best three-point shooter of her generation in the WNBA, 35 years old. So shout out to the sky for doing it with people in their mid-30s. That makes me a new proud, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she had, fun. what, 20-some points last night? She right? was incredible. She had 26 yeah. points. Yeah. He hit three threes in the fourth quarter, which were huge. I mean, the sky were on the verge of getting blown out. They end up winning the fourth quarter, 26 to 11. They lost every other period of the game besides for the fourth quarter, but a huge fourth quarter, mostly carried by Quigley. She hits three big threes. They were even running her in the post and she's only five ten. She doesn't really have good size for a two guard, but she even got a clutch bucket in the post. Uh, and then, yeah, Candace hit a big three to tie it up. Steph Dolson hit two floaters off the pick and roll off beautiful feeds from Vandersloot and the place exploded and Chance the Rapper was on the floor. Uh, there were, you know, just celebrities in the house throughout the run. I saw Justin Bulls players were there. Yeah. Smith there. Patrick Williams was there yesterday. He's yeah. a diehard WNBA fan. 
he has like a deep appreciation for the women's game. So he was like supporting the team throughout their playoff run. I believe he was at every game besides for game three when the Bulls. Seemed like DeRozan was there a lot too. DeRozan was there a lot. Kobe was there a lot. Javante Green was there a lot. Uh, It was just awesome to see. We had JB Pritzker doing the wave for a front row seat. (laughs) One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Pritzker also tweeted out one of my articles. So shout out Pritzker. I saw that. Nice. Uh, That was pretty nice. So. Love this guy. Yeah, and they, and they were getting a lot of love just across the league yesterday, too. Like I saw, I mean, I don't know if LeBron tweeted, I saw Steph, I saw Harden, I know D. Wade gave a shout out. Uh, just a lot of love for uh, Candace Parker and the Chicago Sky. It was, uh, it was looking really cool to see. I also want to give the shout out to Candace Parker for hitting up Portillo's after the game. Absolutely great choice. Uh, if you're going to go get like pull, uh, pull in the Giannis, because Giannis went to Chick fil A after winning their title earlier this year, and she even shouted out Giannis, but Portillo's. Even better choice, Chicago staple. Uh, so great, great choice, Candace Parker. <laughs> that Portillo's after winning the WNBA title. And actually, my buddy Bobby did a thing in Kevin K Duck's newsletter called Midway Minute. If you're a Chicago sports fan, you have to subscribe to Kevin's newsletter. It's one of the first things I read every morning. Longtime Chicago based sports writer, wrote a book on the Cubs, worked for Yahoo for a while. Uh, and I guess when Candace signed with the Sky, she sort of detailed her order at Portillo's and it was just like, like a fish sandwich and a big <laughs> chocolate milkshake and like all these things. And my buddy Bobby tried to eat it and couldn't even come up. So, uh, you can go check that out on Kevin's newsletter. That was from a few months ago, but awesome run from the Skyman. And hopefully it gets everyone ready for what should be a very fun and exciting bowl season. I think Chicago basketball is back. Yeah. Candace Parker came home and restored glory to Chicago basketball. And now the bowls can pick it up and run with it. And seeing Patrick Williams on the floor celebrating with the team last night, I'm just thinking, Pat, you're next, baby. Like you can get even more support and an even, you know, an even greater atmosphere if he can turn around the bowls in the United Center, a stadium that's like twice as big capacity wise as the Wind Trust. And I think, Jason, uh, you know, last time fans were in the stands for the Bulls, I think Jim Boylan was the head coach, right? I guess maybe the Bulls played like one or two games. There were a few games, like the very end of last season. Yeah, there were some. But mostly, yeah, they didn't matter. Bulls fans have only seen trash basketball over the last four years. As I say on almost every podcast, the Bulls have the worst record in the NBA the last four years. So uh, Bulls are back, baby. Preseason looked real good. And I can't wait to get into this. So, Jace, I'll kick it over to you to get some of your thoughts on just the Bulls preseason in general. But first, I'm going to run through some of the numbers. Uh, I got this from Chris from the Bulls 101 podcast. He tweeted this out. Definitely check out the Bulls 101 podcast if you like what we're doing here on their last episode. They had Chris Herring. Listen to that. Love Chris Herring. He's super smart. Uh, And Chris from that podcast tweeted out the Bulls' ranks at the end of the preseason. They were third in offense, first in defense, second in net rating, third in assist to turnover, uh, fifth in rebounding percentage, second in turnovers, 11th in true shooting percentage, eighth in pace. Those numbers are phenomenal, Jason. They don't really mean anything because it's just preseason, but it is so clear that it is a new era for the Chicago Bulls. The Garpack stink is gone, and this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. It should be, yeah. I, so I definitely don't think the Bulls are going to uh, be the best defense in the league this year, uh, even if Stacey King says they're going to be top five. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in general, the preseason was a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, those first couple games were uh, really awesome. They just dominated, see some weaker competition. Uh, the last couple games were a bit more competitive. Uh, we did not talk – obviously, you were not on our last pod, but it was awesome to see Io uh, win the game, that third game, that Cavs game for them. That was really cool to see. And then, as you mentioned, Patrick Williams was back. For the fourth game against the Grizzlies, Tony Bradley made his debut. I know that was a bit rocky, uh, but he's getting needs to get his legs back, get used to it. Uh, nice to see Pat back though. Just the fact that he is back and he got a preseason game under his belt, I think, was a huge plus considering the, that initial timetable was four to six weeks. Uh, he came back right at the very front of it at after one month, basically. Uh, so that was that was great to see, just to get him get him some minutes. Uh, I know Zach really killed it in that Grizzlies game. I was I wasn't able to watch that Grizzlies game, but I was kind of following along online. I looked at the box score. I know they kind of pulled away at the very end. It was mostly an even game throughout like the first three plus quarters. But I think Zach had like thirty one, uh, just an easy thirty one points. Uh, I think Vooch had a really nice game. Just, you're going to see the potential there with the talent uh, on offense. Again, the defense ranking number one, I think, is a bit of a fluke. 
based on just like who they're playing based on it being preseason. But we did see, I think, a way that the defense can be decent. And like there's a lot of people, and we will talk about this a bit more later as well, that a lot of people think the defense is going to be awful. I think that's the, maybe the biggest reason of bull skepticism. There is, I think, some skepticism about the fit offensively as well. But I think defensively is a lot of people just think the Bulls are going to suck just terribly defensively, and that's just not going, and that's just going to lead to a mediocre team. But uh, again, they're not going to be number one. But I think we saw uh, in the preseason ways that they can be all right. And then I think a lot of that is forcing turnovers and being aggressive within the passing lanes. We saw Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and like Javante Green as well, just being super, super aggressive, getting racking up steals, stocks, all that kind of stuff. So if the Bulls can force turnovers and get stops that way. They're a bit undersized. We'll see how they rebound. Uh, the rim protection is not great, but if they can if they can stop the ball better at the point of attack with Caruso and if, with Lonzo out there, if Zach can be a bit better uh, with Pat as well, because we know Pat's going to be Pat will be guarding wings. Uh, some of the best wings, but it also looks like Pat might be playing a, some small ball five. Billy Donovan talked about that, uh, and he played some small ball five in his in his in his minutes against the Grizzlies. I know Billy pulled him when they brought uh, Stephen Adams back in the game, uh, but I think using uh, I just did a pod with uh, a recent pod on for uh, Blue Wires Hardwood Knox and talked about like how I really want to see Pat at the five lineups, uh, and that could just be really interesting. Uh, so I think, again, I think we've seen, and I know I want to shout out my guy, Steph. No, again, he did a uh, great pointing out Alex Caruso's defensive smarts, what he's going to mean to the team, uh, with that point of attack defense. So in terms of just like the pure talent level, I think the Bulls should be pretty damn good offensively. I'm not that worried about the fit. I guess you could kind of worry maybe about the bench shooting and the bench like, it was pretty shaky against the Grizzlies, but I'm mean, the starting lineup. And then once they get Kobe back as well. Uh, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Obviously it's going to be in November, but hopefully he helps that bench scoring. The starting lineup should be really dynamic offensively. And then if they could be just decent defensively, you got the makings of a really, really darn good team given their talent level. Again, I don't know just if they're going to be awesome, but they should be fun. And I think they should be good and better than a lot of these skeptics are giving are uh, predicting for them. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, the vibes are great, right? Yeah. If this team seriously finishes under 500 this year, of course it's possible because there's yeah. a lot of improved teams in the East. Uh, you never know what happened have injuries. Be, you never know. So you know, Bulls going to have to be going up in regular season battles against the Celtics, uh, the Knicks, the Hawks. These are going to be tough matchups for the Bulls. There's no doubt. They're not like clearly head and shoulders better than any of those teams. But I think there's a scenario where the Bulls could be, you know, anywhere is as good as the fourth seed, I think, this year. We'll see if they can actually get there. Yeah, I do think that that is potentially their ceiling. Uh, my expectation is that they're going to be out of the playing tournament. Like that, to me, would signify a good season. If the Bulls yeah. can get the sixth seed in the East, I think that would be a wonderful season for them, expectations-wise. And uh, it's just, it's just going to be really fun, Jace. Like, there is so much potential for this to be really good. I think like, yeah, there's some possible downsides, but what jumped out to me about the preseason is how unselfish the team played just tremendous ball movement. I think, you know, we can go piece by piece, but Lonzo looked so awesome. I think that we could potentially be in for a Lonzo ball all-star season, like Lonzo really making a jump up the NBA hierarchy, uh, It'll be tough because he probably won't put up huge scoring yeah, numbers. I think, but I yeah. think he's going to have a lot of highlight real plays. He was everywhere defensively. He's a very aggressive defensive player. So there's going to be times where like he bites on a pump fake uh, or, you know, he gets burned, uh, you know, gambling for a steal. So that'll happen. But uh, his gambles are worth it in the end because he causes so many turnovers. He covers so much ground. And he just has a knack for getting the ball, man. Whether he's like tipping out a rebound to someone or getting a deflection in the passing lanes, Lonzo's defense is going to really help get this team in transition. And in transition, the Bulls are going to be awesome. Zach Levine can be an absolute killer in transition. Lonzo's hit ahead passes are perhaps the best part of his skill set to this point in his career. Uh, and in the half court, you got DeMar DeRozan sort of helping unlock Zach's off ball game. Jace, I swear I spent like two seasons on this podcast saying the Bulls need to get another playmaker so yeah. Zach Levine can play off the ball. Yeah. Zach Levine isn't a primary initiator. And it was unbelievable to me that we saw a lot of skeptics for the DeRozan signing in terms of the fit. Like for the price, 
I can understand how you would think it's an overpay. Personally, I don't fucking care. I think sometimes you got to lose the deal to win some games. I wrote that much when the Bulls signed DeRozan. Uh, Chris from Bulls 101 did a nice piece on a similar thought at Premium Hoops, which is a website with uh, Mark Schindler. They do some really great content. Mark actually did a NBA preview podcast for like every team in the league with either a beat writer or a blogger. So check that out. Their Bulls episode is with the Bulls 101 guys. It was really good. Uh, So be sure to support that. But yeah, man, I think that there's no reason for any heavy skepticism at this point. I'm not expecting the Bulls to be a championship contender, but I am expecting them to be cool and fun and pretty good. And that's a great place to be as a fan after watching a team that was objectively straight fucking dog shit for the last (laughs) four years. So uh, good vibes only this year. I think we're going to have a much happier podcast. And yeah, there's a a few things I want to talk to you about. So here's one, Jason. Zach Levine. We both agree that Zach Levine is still like the headline name and the biggest star in this team. Yes. The so he's going to be like the primary option offensively, and he's going to be the guy who, if the Bulls are up for any postseason awards, it's probably going to be Zach Levine that's going to be elevated. I still expect him to be the leading scorer. Now, Zach Levine had a kick ass year last season in his seventh season in the league. He averaged 27.4 points per game, uh, close to 64% true shooting, and it was even higher than that in the first half when he made his first all star game sort of the thing I've been hearing is I've been reading and listening to Bulls preview podcasts is that Zach Levine's numbers are going to fall this year obviously you can see how that could happen because the Bulls have more mouths to feed it's not just going to be Zach dribbling out the possession as it was so many times over the last three seasons now Vucevic is a guy who can get you 20 on any given night we saw him have a great last preseason game DeRozan obviously proven score like he's going to be taking a lot of shots And the Bulls are going to have a pretty ball movement heavy offense, I think, right? It's not going to be uh, Levine holding the ball and trying to force the issue. I think we are going to see a lot of egalitarian ball movement. But am I crazy for thinking that Levine's numbers could actually hold steady in terms of the overall production and maybe, maybe improve in terms of the efficiency? Now, he set the bar so high last year with a near 64% true shooting percentage, but... Watching these preseason games, dude, I think Levine is going to be getting such easy looks all year with all the defensive attention his newly acquired teammates are going to create. Uh, I think that we're going to see a guy who is just going to like waltz his way into 30 points a night. I could see him having a better year than last year, even if let's say he averages 26.8 points per game instead of 27.4. And I wouldn't be shocked if he averaged more points, honestly, because I think he's going to have to still do the heavy lifting with the bench units. It'll be interesting to see what kind of lineups Donovan's rolling out, but uh, this team still needs Zach Levine to score the ball at a high clip, despite all the offensive talent they added. I think Levine's going to have a monstrous year for a variety of reasons, and I'm really excited for him this season. Yeah, I mean, if the Bulls are also like committed to playing super fast, uh, I mean, I just think if they're going to be getting like a ton of shots up, uh, you could see his see his overall numbers kind of sticking the same. Uh, the efficiency wise, like the, the bar is set super high, uh, but he has had a couple games so far in this preseason. Again, in his preseason where he just scored around 30 points, just super easily on like whatever, 14, 15 shots, I think. Uh, and then if he could playing the off ball stuff, he just, just burying three pointers off the ball, uh, getting stuff in transition when they're pushing pace, like it would not surprise me if he puts up similar numbers or maybe even better. I mean, he's because he, he's also gotten better every single season in Chicago. And uh, I mean, he's obviously super mo- motivated this season. He finally has more talent around him. So it's not like, and he's, he's got a new contract to play for. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just every reason to think that Zach Levine's going to get even better next season. He just won the Olympic gold medal where he learned he played off ball. He played, he focused on defense. I think maybe that, maybe that helped him just more in terms of just like the, the importance of lasering on the defensive end. Uh, so hopefully that will kind of take as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say like Zach's going to be like, is he going to make all NBA, but I think he definitely will be in the conversation to get one of those all NBA spots. There is, there is just so much competition. There's obviously so much talent in the league, but uh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if he, if he made all NBA, got one of the, like a third team spot. Like I think it'd be tough to get first or second at this point, obviously, but like, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Zach got made third team All NBA this year, right? Could you could you see it? Yeah, why not? I think that some people have been uh, 
you know, going out on a limb and saying that his MVP odds are 80 to one. And I guarantee you, Stacey King is going to be hyping him up as an MVP, <laughs> you know, probably from the first game of the season. He probably won't happen. But I got five bucks on it. Nice. My friend, my, my friend was like, put five on Why it for not? me. I'm like, gotcha, bro. So uh, Levine, I think is going to have a really big year. I'm excited about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what do you think about Vucevic this season? Because he didn't shoot the ball great in the preseason. No, I don't yeah. have the numbers. I think his that. last game was he finally had a big game. I'd have to look it up again, but, uh, but three point wise, he was missing a lot of three pointers yeah. throughout the season. Just a lot of shots that he usually, like, I think that third, that second Cavs game, uh, he was missing a lot of bunnies too. It, yeah, he definitely was not at his best for sure, but I'm still pre- feeling pretty good about Vooch because what I think he gives them is sort of the, a foundational piece in the half court to run everything through. Like what you saw a lot with the bulls was sort of like, swinging the ball to get it into a two-man game with either DeRozan or Levine with Vucevic. And I think like that's sort of going to be the basis of the Bulls crunch time offense. The Bulls crunch time offense has been pretty trash uh, throughout the last couple of years, which was another reason like they needed guys like Vucevic and DeRozan sort of alleviate that burden from Levine trying to take on the world, you know, in crunch time where he hasn't really performed that well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about Vucevic. I do want to see him shoot, though, because he has not been a great three-point shooter throughout his career before last season. So I think he had never been before like 30, never been above like 33 or 34% from deep before last year. And last year he was at 40%. I wanted to monitor it after he came to the Bulls because he got off to such a strong start with Orlando, but his percentage like pretty much held the same. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Uh, in terms of how he shot the ball once he got to Chicago. He was a really good three-point shooter. So that's something I really want to see continue to hold steady for him. I think the Bulls need Vucevic to provide additional floor spacing for them, especially because DeRozan, while he did take some attempts in the preseason, he's mostly a non-shooter. So I want to see Vucevic continue to confidently step into threes and sort of knock him in because I think the Bulls, stat status as like a potential top 10, let's say even top five offense. I think that the way for the bulls to get there involves Vucevic still being about a 40% three point shooter. Yeah. And I mean, definitely, like I said, I don't, I'm not going to miss Lowry, but uh, obviously losing Lowry as a big man shooter. It it definitely is important for Vooch to be able to shoot, even if he's not at 40% to be, 35, 36 on that pretty high. I think it was at like four or five, maybe even six attempts last year. Uh, yeah. And it is, Booch is just nice because he just does so many things well for them offensively. Besides the shooting threes, like also can throw it inside to him. He's a really good passer. And like, we didn't really see Zach and Booch able to build any chemistry last season. So like, I'm pretty sure if you look at the, like the lineup data, uh, they kind of struck the, like the lamps were not very good like with Zach and Vooch. But I think like now that getting this training camp and you talked about the two man games with Vooch and Zach and Vooch and DeRozan, it's like his versatility offensively should be really helpful. Uh, And then like defensively, obviously like he's not a much of a rim protector, but I don't think he's like as bad as like maybe some people think Uh, he's got, he's got quick hands. He he showed off those quick hands and he's, he knows where to be. 
uh, he's positioning wise. Again, he's not the most mobile guy. They'll be dropping him a lot, but like, I don't think he's like that bad. I think the bulls can have a decent defense uh, with them there. And yeah, he will be very interesting because he's what 30, 31 years old right now. Uh, again, it will be nice to see him actually get build some chemistry with Zach and then with DeRozan as well. And with Lonzo after just like last season, it was just kind of a mismatch uh, after the trades and it just like didn't really work out. Uh, so yeah, it will be very interesting to see like what kind of production he has. Like I, I don't think he'll be putting up whatever, like 20 some a game this year, but if he can be a very efficient, maybe 18, 20 point per game score, uh, and just obviously staying healthy will be important. Uh, yeah, just that having that diversity, diversity in the offense, uh, will be huge on this team in the front court for sure. And then let's talk about some of the bench pieces. Yeah. I could not be higher on Caruso. I oh, think this yeah. is going to be awesome. Now, the Lakers fans sort of made liking Alex Caruso a little <laughs> cringeworthy. They made him into a meme. They have all these memes basically lined up for Caruso that Bulls fans will have the opportunity to steal throughout the season. There's one where it's like Caruso, and then he slowly starts changing. It's five pictures of himself, and it ends with him as Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, uh, There are just like a ton of really good Caruso memes. And it's a little cringeworthy because Alex <laughs> Caruso for all of his skill and for how much I can appreciate him, you know, you don't need to like blow the guy up too much, but he's a really good role player. It, dude, if you are someone who appreciates the small things that helps a team win a basketball game, Caruso is going to be your guy. So you sort of can see how he built this cult following outside of just the color of his skin. Uh, I think he's going to be an incredible addition for this Bulls team because he provides one elite NBA skill with his on-ball defense. Uh, He had a lot of awesome defensive plays in the regular season finale against the Grizzlies. I think we saw him block a layup late in that game. Uh, he was jumping into the passing lanes. He had a to get sick dunk, steals. too. <laughs> he had a sick dunk. He's going to be able to do that. He's pretty good in transition. Everyone seems like they're surprised by how good of a passer he is. His jump shot looks a little funky, but it can go in. So that'll be another thing to sort of monitor this year. But uh, in general, dude, I think that Caruso is going to be super sick. I'm really excited about him. Kobe, I think, is sort of the forgotten piece right now because he's still going to be out for about a month as he continues to rehab his shoulder. But watching Kobe last year be the point guard of the team, like it was super obvious that his best role was going to be as a bench scorer, a guy whose elite skill in the NBA is his catch and shoot ability. And I think he's really going to be in a position to have a big year. I want to see lineups on the bench with Vucevic, DeRozan, and Kobe. And then I don't care who the other two guys are, but give me that as like the foundation of a bench lineup and let Zach lead, you know, a group that doesn't have Vucevic in it. That's what I would do with the rotations. I think that Kobe, when he does come back, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a slow transition perhaps because he has missed a lot of time. A shoulder injury is tough for a basketball player to come back from. But I do think that by playoff time, Hopefully he has, you know, his feet fully under him and he's fully integrated in the offense. I think he could be a big piece for this team if they are going to go on a potential postseason run. Then a couple other guys on the bench I'm excited about. Troy Brown Jr. I think could be pretty exciting. We saw him have some flashes of like a potential three and D type guy. Uh, I like him. He reminds me a little bit of Lonzo. It's like he's just like a big guard who can't really create off the dribble, but he just has a well-rounded overall skill set. He's long and competitive on defense. His shot is a little bit shaky, but man, in the first preseason game, he I think he knocked down like three in the first. He hit three, quarter. yeah. I pretty I don't know if he hit another three the rest of the preseason, honestly, but like it looked good to start. Look good to start. Shoot it confidently, bro. So I'm excited about that. And then I love Alize too. I think Alize Johnson's gonna be really a fan favorite for the Bulls as someone who Stacey King will likely describe as a hard hat lunch pail guy, sort of <laughs> a new Taj. Uh, a dude who's so he's not, that's not a perfect comparison for his skill set because he's not that good defensively. Taj was such a yeah, monster rim protector. And that's not Alizé's yeah, Taj game. is like Alizé. a 7'4 wingspan. <laughs> right. <Sorry>. Alizé's <laughs> game, though, I think Alizé is like a 6'8 wingspan. Yeah. He's not a long arms guy. But he's bouncy and he is a maniacal rebounder. He's been given quotes about how he basically patterned his game off. Rodman. Rodman. Both came from like small schools and, you know, sort of had to fight long odds to carve out a place in the NBA. I think that Alizé Johnson is going to be a fan favorite. I think he's going to be really exciting. And then Javante Green just totally opened everyone's eyes in the preseason. I think Javante Green has to have a big place in this rotation heading into the season for his energy, for his defense. Even though he's 6'4", he has reportedly a seven foot wingspan. 
he looked awesome in the preseason, Jason. I think Patrick Williams is going to need to prove that like he deserves that spot. I'm also yep. very high on Pat. I'm excited for Pat at center in the bench units. Uh, I'm fully on board with that idea. I think that that can really help him level up as a player. So bench, I mean, some people would say it's a question mark. I think that's fair. Maybe I'm being a little homerish and I have a little Stockholm syndrome here, just watching the team in the preseason, but I could see a scenario where the bench can be pretty damn good, even if they're unproven and having a leader like Caruso on the bench is just going to be really a stabilizing thing for the entire team. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I am somewhat worried about the bench shooting, but I think if, if Kobe does come back, I he could really just help that totally. Uh, and it, we've talked about this before. How it was just a huge bummer that Kobe had this set that just the injury setback because he is going to be, I think in a, uh, in this off in a fast paced offense where he basically just gets the playoff ball and chuck threes. Like that's a really nice weapon to have off your bench. And that's like the ideal role that we've talked about for him. <laughs> and so it is a bummer that he's going to miss the start of this. So that will be very interesting to see. He like said, yeah, I am. I guess just talking about this, the bench stuff in general, we could bring up uh, the bulls announced their final roster. Uh, and they had, so they had some decisions to make. You mentioned Alizé Johnson. He had a non-guaranteed contract and he obviously earned it in the preseason, earned the spot on this team. Uh, so then with, with the, with the lack of bench shooting on this team right now, the bulls ended up deciding to keep Matt Thomas, Iowa state guy, Ames mafia staying alive, uh, over Stanley Johnson, who was waived. Obviously Stanley Johnson, a former lottery pick of the Pistons. Uh, he was with the Raptors the last couple seasons. Uh, he's a big, kind of a thick dude forward wing forward type who has played some small ball center. Uh, and like, obviously Stanley Johnson has the bigger name, bigger, uh, like better NBA pedigree, even though he's been a disappointment. Uh, and I think that the bull, I'm guessing the bulls kept Matt Thomas around because they do might have some concerns about that bench shooting. I was not impressed by either guy in the preseason that much, but Thomas shot over like 40% from three in his limited NBA minutes. Uh, and he's getting that 15th spot. And they, they also kept, I believe, Iowa guy, Tyler cook to be their other two-way guy next to Devin, uh, Devon Dotson. So yeah, Matt Thomas over Stanley Johnson. And obviously I mentioned Alizé made the team. What, I guess, what did you make of of that? Like I said, I was, I guess I was kind of surprising. A lot of people thought it was going to be Stanley, but I think because they have the Bulls have so many, just like of those rangy wing, like forward types, you can't shoot. They ended up keeping the specialist in Matt Thomas, who can really shoot the hell of the ball. Though like, I don't really want Matt Thomas playing any minutes this season because that will probably mean things are not going well on the injury front. Now, I, my mind has been focused on the sky for the last couple of weeks, but wasn't there something that like the Bulls are basically just keeping that roster spot warm until? Yeah, I mean they have they have the Daniel Tice trade exception, so they got a five million job, five million dollar trade exception there. Uh, they, I mean, they could have kept it open for whatever, any, but somebody else. Yeah, obviously, I don't think Matt Thomas, I mean, he's, they don't, they're not married to Matt Thomas. If there's somebody better out there, if they want to make a trade and they need that roster spot, they can obviously use it. It does seem like they're, they must've been impressed by him in camp and practice. They, he earned, he earned a spot on the team. So they're giving it to him. But if they do have to like wave him at some point, I would guess that shouldn't be a problem. It's whatever. It's just, he's a, on a minimum deal. He was non-guaranteed. Like, uh, it does seem like he has, has officially made the team though. The bulls put out their official roster today and he was on it. So he did m- make the cut. We'll see how long he sticks. Uh, and I, I just thought it was interesting that he made the team over Stanley Johnson, a guy with a bit more of a pedigree. So, uh, again, I'll let you throw it back to you. On your yeah, I don't there. know. I don't like it to be honest. Uh, I would have preferred Stanley. People who have followed my work for a while know I was a big Stanley Johnson guy in the draft. Well, that didn't work out very well. He actually did sort of become as good as I thought he would be defensively. He's a very good defensive player. He proved that on the Raptors uh, at times last season, but he's basically a zero on office. He can't do anything offensively at an even league average level. So, you know, I was hoping it would all sort of all come into place for Stanley eventually, but we saw a lot of high lottery picks get cut, uh, Dante Axum got cut. Marquise Jabari. Chris got cut. Chris Dunn got cut. Jabari Parker got cut. It's a lot of top 10, top eight picks getting waived. Stanley Johnson is one of those guys. So I would have preferred Stanley on the team more than Matt Thomas, just because I think that, you know, for whatever shooting and spacing Matt Thomas is going to provide, I don't know if he can play. <laughs> probably a little bit more valuable, but yeah, I mean, it's the very last spot on the roster. Yeah. I don't really care about it too much. 
And I'm telling you, Jason, I think I predicted this in our last podcast. The Bulls are making a move in season. They got the Daniel Tice trade exception. They got the extra first round pick. We still don't know what's happening with the tampering investigation. Adam Silver brought it up today at his annual press conference before the season. And he said it's ongoing. I'm like, are you, I mean, that's a fucking joke. We, we talked about it in our last pod, me and uh, Schmidt. And he, I mean, he is thought thinks it's kind of a joke at this point as well. Uh, I, I just don't know what's taking so long. We're two and a half months out of this damn thing. Like the, like I said, the Bucks one, uh, the Bucks investigation, I think took a month at the longest. I, I don't know what could possibly be taking so long. Like I'd, uh, I do wonder if the Bulls are bracing themselves for losing that pick they got in the Lowry trade or maybe another pick, but uh, it, it, it's just ridiculous at this point. I mean, the tampering thing, I, I, we've talked about this on the, the last pod, the tampering stuff is stupid anyways, but like, I just don't understand how could this be? This is dragging into the season. Like, what the, what the fuck? Either way, though, I do think the Bulls probably will, are not done making moves based on how aggressive AK and Eversley have been here over the last year after the quiet first quiet off season. Like it sure seems like if there's something there that they will jump on it and try to make the roster better. And I guess that ultimately, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What type of piece would you like to see him at? I mean, I guess they could use another big man, I guess. I mean, I do like the idea of them just like playing super fast and super small, but I feel like at some point they could probably use a more proven big guy. Uh, they signed Tony Bradley. He did not look good. As I mentioned before in that first preseason game, I think he was like a minus 11 in a couple minutes. And I didn't see his minutes, but I know our, like our, our chat was talking about it and they were like, he, he looked really bad, but I want to give him some time. Like he's still young. He's, he is a big body. I think this isn't his wingspan, like seven, four, seven, five. I believe I think he, so, like, yeah. he's like a, he's, he's got legit size. The Bulls is outside of Vucevic. It's made, it's a lot of just like kind of guards and wings. Uh, and they don't have that many big guys. So I think, Outside of unless there was like a superstar trade like available where like they really shake things up, like it probably would be nice to get have another like backup legitimate like veteran backup big man in there who can who brings some size, brings some toughness. Because like as nice as Alize looked, like he is still like six seven with a small wingspan. Like we saw Evan Mobley take advantage of his how small he is on several occasions down low. He is a great rebounder, kind of helps make up for that, but uh, it would be nice to just have a little more size as much as I like downsizing as much as I like playing super fast and small, like there might be times where there might be matchups where it just, nice to have the versatility to be able to play bigger at times for certain matchups. Yeah. I think another big would be the most obvious thing they could potentially add, but remember they I mean, more probably had Larry Nance yeah. in the trade with Cleveland for marketing and they chose to rather have Derek Jones in the first round pick. So maybe the bulls don't want, another big and if Karnaschovas is going to continue this super aggressive mindset, what if they just added a knockdown dynamite shooter? Yeah, I got I'm, a name for it. This is yeah. just me speculating. I haven't heard anything on this yeah. and this might even be like a bad idea. People might be listening <laughs> to this thinking I'm crazy, but if the Timberwolves are bad again, like, you know, and you got the Blazers lottery pick or the Blazers lottery protected pick, I should say, uh, what about someone like Malik Beasley? who's just like a really good shooter who can uh, knock down shots off a variety of different looks. He's not a good defensive player. So that would sort of be an issue with the bulls, but uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing, you know, another, he put potential... up like, wasn't he at like 20 points per game last year before he did have, he was in prison or it was in prison. Is he still in prison? He had like, I can't remember what he went to jail for uh, his, whatever his suspension jail. It was, it was something I don't know if it was had to do with like weapons and I can't remember what it was, but I think before all that, like last year, I'm pretty sure he was averaging something like 20 points per game. Let me go look, look this up right now. Uh, I mean, he is, yeah, he is a really good offensive player. Like that's super interesting. I guess there was also the whole, the whole Larsa Pippen thing. I wonder, I don't know how that would go, but yeah, here we go. He played 37 games last year uh, and he put up 19.6 points per game, shot 40% from three, just under 40% on 8.7 attempts. I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as you got like, and I guess after the trade to Minnesota and from Denver, he averaged 21 points a game uh, and like 42% from three. That was in small samples. That was 14 games, but he gets threes up. So that's not a bad idea. As long as everything's clear there, I think with the off the court stuff, uh, that's not a bad idea. Did he sign? What's his contract? Like, does he sign a big extension? With the Timberwolves, let's see. Looking at, look like he's making about he made thirteen million last year, and he's at okay, so he's about 14, 15 million. So I guess 
like if you were to trade, if you were trying to trade from Malik Beasley, what do you like giving up? The pick, pick and exception. And I don't know if they have some kind of. I don't. I don't think they can use the trade that. exception there because he makes fourteen million. It would okay, have to be like use it. It would have like to be Derek Jones, Derek Jones Jr., and then like other salary. I think would be ideal, probably. Okay. Like, and because I don't think you're like trading Kobe for for him. I mean, maybe no. if Kobe's not not working out, but uh, and that is an interesting idea. I mean, like he, I don't think people realize how well he shoots, scores the ball. Like the guy can really shoot the shit out of the ball. I think I forgot how good he was at scoring. Uh, not a bad idea. I think, yeah, I think those two things are the clear uh, areas of need where they could use some more size and they could use another shooter probably for sure. So, you know, that's just a, a potential thing. Like yeah. look for the bad teams this year who are going to sell off pieces, look at their rosters. That's what the Bulls didn't get in Vucevic, right? The Magic were going yeah. nowhere. The Magic ended up doing a full set, full fire sale trading Aaron Gordon and Fournier and Vucevic and basically everyone. So, yeah, look at the rosters of the bad teams. Let us know. Tweet a, tweet at us. If you see someone else the Bulls should go after midseason, uh, because given how aggressive Karnaschovas has been since he's been hired, I think it's probably likely that he uh, swings another deal in season here, especially if the Bulls are sort of like on the cusp of making a serious move up the Eastern Conference standings. And, Jace, with that, uh, you know, you can take it from here. Um, I guess we'll finish up here. Just, uh, just the general kind of like, ex- like we have good vibes, but I guess the general expectations around just like the NBA Twitter blogosphere, Twitter sphere, you want to call it. The Bulls are pretty polarizing. Uh, seen some co- seen uh, projections kind of like all over the place. Like we are obviously pretty optimistic here. If you look at Vegas there, I've seen over unders for them at like 42 and a half, 43 and a half. I'm pretty confident they're going to go over that and get to like 45 to 47 wins. But uh, there are a lot of uh, people. There are a lot of like projection systems that just do not rate the bulls that highly. I know the 538 came out with theirs. I think they used their, what their Raptor uh, projections. They, I don't know if they, just, yeah, they have Raptor and then there's Elo. It looks like I'm not sure if Elo had them any different. No, not really. So like 538's Raptor had them at has them at 38 wins. I think we've talked about John Hollinger has them at 37 wins. Um, I know you. I think our guy uh, Mike Prada. I think I saw had them at 38 wins. I saw someone else. I think from the, from the Action Network. I think uh, Brand. I can't remember his name. Has had them also in like the mid 30s. So we've seen just like some kind of some skepticism. We talk about how like we don't think the Bulls. There's like should be that much skepticism around them given the talent level, but we've seen just some negativity about the team. Oh, there was actually another one I saw today. I think the true hoop projection or uh, predictions. I think uh, the Bulls are at like 40 or 41. Yeah, 41 wins at true hoop. I think we've seen that. Like I think Zach Lowe and Simmons have expressed Bill Simmons, whatever you want to make of Bill Simmons predictions anymore. Uh, I think they had some pretty healthy bull skepticism. Um, so I think there is, again, just like in general, like a lot of people just aren't really sure what to make of this Bulls team. Uh, there is, there have been some positives. I know our, uh, Matt Moore, HP basketball has them going over and he says he sees them as a 50 win team, possible 50 win team. Uh, I saw him tweet out some Eastern conference standings and had them at sixth, with I think, which I think is about, you said that basically avoiding the playing tournament should be a realistic expectation or goal for this team. And that I think that as well. 45 to 47 wins and a six seed, I think is about right around where you, I think a reasonable expectation. Um, so I guess I am just curious to see like uh, if how they, there just is again, just a, a wide kind of a wide variety uh, of opinions on this bull scene, which I think I don't mind at all. Like, I don't really hate, like I think a lot of people get mad. People are go have been going at Hollinger. Uh, I don't really mind the skepticism. I get it. The Bulls have been such a joke, and there are some question marks on this team, so I do get some of the skepticism. Although I just feel like with the talent level overall, and you look at the Bulls won 30, what, 31 games last year in this weird season where Thad Young was their second-best player for most of the year, uh, and then they lose Zach at the tail end of the year basically for most of it after the trade. So it's like 31 win in a 72 win game season is up to like 30 It's like 35 games in a 82 win season. You're telling me with this roster that they're going to win like four or five more games only. Like I, I, that's why I feel like it's just kind of crazy to think. Like I said, I'm not mad. Some, I know some people are mad, but I just, I think with this talent level, you should expect at least 10 more wins. Uh, and then if things go well, maybe they do get up closer to 50. So uh, 
it is again, it's just very interesting to see some of the skepticism out there. Uh, again, I get it. The Bulls have been a joke. They've been a laughing stock and most actually more just like irrelevant, not as much laughing stock. So um, I just really hope I would just really hope, especially for Zach, for Zach's uh, sake, especially going into free agency, such a big year for him. He's really looking forward to actually being on a team and making the playoffs and just, just hope for his sake. And just for our sake as well, to talk about good basketball, they do, they do beat these projections that they are a good and fun team to watch. And actually I was just reading just now, our guy, Joe Cowley has them finishing fifth in the East. Can you believe that? He, he, he just, he posted his predict his uh, season predictions and he has the bulls finishing fifth in the East Zach ending his playoff drought. He will no longer be the bat, the best player without a playoff appearance. Uh, and he also says the bulls will have a top 10 defense. Are you surprised that uh, uh, Cowley is so bullish on the bulls right now? Uh, Cali loves buckets, right? And, and he's always, buckets, I feel like he's been like anti Zach, though. He's always just kind of like crapping on him, talking about the Max stuff. But uh, he seems he to be was suggesting that the Bulls should uh, trade him for Victor Oladipo in a first round draft pick. So yeah. thank God the Bulls didn't do that. That would have set him back. That would have been a Garpax type yeah. of move, right? That would have been classic Garpax. Trade him for an injured guy who can't play in a middling first round draft yeah. pick. That would have been just perfect old school Bulls. But anyways, in terms of the doubters, like uh, if you live in Illinois, we got legal gambling. You can put your money where your mouth is. You don't just have to tweet angrily at John Holland. <laughs> and the Bulls over under, I think, is that like 41 and a half this year? I've seen 42, 43 and a half as well in so, certain different places. I think that, I think they've come up a bit. I think they started lower. I think people are probably betting over because I think – a lot of betters probably do think they'll go over. So I think they have been rising a bit uh, up to like 42, 43-ish level. And I think the opening line against the Pistons tomorrow is like Bulls minus three. Yeah, I, I put $100 on the road, but like the Bulls. I put $100 on it. <laughs> you put $100 on it? On the Bulls covering minus three. I did. <laughs> My boy. Love to hear that. Uh, free money, baby. If, you know. Throw, throw down a alternate line bet on that of like Bulls minus 11 and a half. Go with some crazy <laughs> odds. And Bulls are winning that game in a blowout, dude. Like, that's not going to be close. Let's, let's get the opposite of what happened last season, which was yeah. when the Bulls lost by 40 to the Hawks and just an absolute miserable experience. That was a great, uh, we had a great Spotify or whatever. I think that was the locker room then. Uh, Wait, that was a great venting s- session. If I'm going to give gambling advice on the podcast, which you should probably never trust, I do have to admit that the sky for game two, after they won game one decisively, they were four and a half points underdogs at Phoenix. I told all my friends, this is the lock of the century. Bet the account on Chicago. I've never been more confident about anything in my life. I was given the alternate line speech again, where like take sky minus six and a half. They're going to win easy, even though they're plus four and a half going into the game. And that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my life. The sky still had a lead late in the game, totally blew it. They lose by five in overtime. And I lost a lot of people, a lot of money on that with uh, my recommendation. So there's your grain of salt for Jason and I telling you to, uh, you know, spend some of your hard earned money on the bulls. If you do have the disposable income, if you don't definitely don't be gambling, but uh, I'm just feeling the vibes, man. And I, I did it with my guy, Chris, you know, Chris threatened you your livelihood once over, over Illinois basketball. But uh, yeah, we both agreed. We're just going to throw a hundred bucks on this minus three uh, feeling pretty good about it. Again, the Pistons are they're not a good team. We're a building team that looks like they probably won't have Cade. I know it is a road game with a bunch of new pieces, but like this is a game, this is the type of game this season where the bulls with their talent level just need to take care of business and just whoop their ass. Uh, and I'm feeling the vibes. So they're going to do it. They're going to cover the three easily. And I hope win some money on that. Love it, baby. Uh, we should probably wrap up here. We've been going for a while. Uh, yeah. So uh, again, it's time. We got the first NBA games are tomorrow night. We are recording right now on Monday night. So we got Tuesday. What is it? Lakers, Warriors. I don't even. And then Bucks, Nets. Is that right? Yeah. I don't even know. I need to look at that schedule. Obviously, uh, exciting matchups. Obviously, the Kyrie Irving situation is kind of dominating stuff with the Nets, uh, even though that's a team that can still easily win the championship without Kyrie Irving, given the ridiculous talent level. Uh, the Warriors should be fascinating to watch this year. Hopefully, Clay gets back soon. The Lakers will be. Also fascinating to watch with the Russell Westbrook thing. They had a winless preseason. They looked absolutely atrocious. They're obviously not going to be bad, but uh, it's just going to be an interesting mix of parts there. And then the Bulls play on Wednesday night at Detroit, as we said, minus three 
hammer them, hammer it, hammer minus three uh, to start the season. Uh, really looking forward to it. Like I haven't been this excited for a season in a long time. I think you feel the same way. So uh, let's get it on. Let's go. The Bulls are back. The Sky are champs. Good vibes for Chicago basketball. And uh, we will we will definitely do a pod after after Bulls Pistons after that opener. We haven't done a green room in a while. Maybe we will do that. We'll see. We'll we'll make that decision when it comes. But uh, we will definitely be doing some type of podcast after Bulls Pistons on Wednesday night. I believe that game is at six p.m. Central time, so it's an earlier game. Uh, so yeah, let's just let's go Bulls. Let's hope let's hope they win, and uh, that'll wrap it us wrap it up for us here today. Uh, as always, for us here at Cash Considerations, a shout out to the Blue Wire Network. And with the NBA season starting up here, please go check out all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. All those great NBA pods. Go check out all the other great pods as well. Obviously, we got. We're in the middle of the NBA, uh, the MLB playoffs. We are in the end, middle of the NFL season. Tons of great sports around, which means tons of great podcasts, all that sports content out there for us here at Cash. As always, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Let us know how we're doing as well. Give us the feedback on Twitter. Uh, as always, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. So for us here at Cash Considerations, H. Bulls Podcast, we will talk to you guys next time. And get the season started and go sky shout out to them hit up that uh rally tomorrow in uh millennium park or wherever it's at something like that take it easy guys